0: Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning with Westside Foursquare Church. We're glad that you're joining us, and uh, we're going to uh, start with prayer. First, I want to read a text. It's from John 18, starting in verse 33. So if you have your Bible with you, would you turn to John 18, starting in verse 33. We're going to read down through verse 36. So uh, this is the trial of Jesus. He's already been um, had an illegal trial by the Jewish leaders in uh, Jerusalem, and he was sent over to Pilate because the Jewish leaders needed to get permission before they could put someone to death. So um, it says that Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we are part of a kingdom that will last forever. And God, all the challenges and all the weirdness and, and the, the hardships and the things that are happening in our world around us, God, we have confidence that we are going somewhere better, that we are citizens of another kingdom. And so, God, we ask that you would open your word to us today and that you would help us to focus our eyes on the right kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus said... If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. So I, I just want to ask, why are we fighting? Why are Jesus followers fighting? If you spend any, you know what? I've really decreased my time on social media because I'm tired of all the fighting. And it's, it's not just from Um, people who don't identify with Christ. It's people who identify themselves with Christians are fighting. And I can understand standing up for what you believe in. I can understand standing up and declaring the truth. But people are just out and out fighting. And they're being just as dirty and just as rude and just as ugly as people uh, who don't identify as Christians. And you know Jesus said that if his kingdom of was of this world then we would then his followers would be fighting. But then he says my kingdom is not of this world. You know in Jerusalem uh there is a an edifice called the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And it is a church that has been built over the traditional locations in Jerusalem of where Jesus was um uh Crucified and buried. And uh, traditional churches believe that that's the location of the tomb of Christ. And this church has been, it's been being built since the Middle Ages. And different groups have built different pieces of it. And finally, um, they decided that the Pope decided that someone has to be in charge of this building. And so what he did was, uh, actually, it might not have been the Pope, it might have been the Byzantine Empire. But they decided that there would be six uh, groups, six Christian groups that already maintained different parts of the building, and they would be in charge of the building. And they wrote up a contract, and this was hundreds of years ago. And in the contract, it said that nothing in the building is allowed to be moved unless all six groups agree. Now, on the outside of the building in one area when this contract was ratified in the 1700s there was a ladder that they suspect a stonemason was using to fix a wall in the church of the holy sepulcher and when they signed that contract that ladder was left there because all six groups have to agree before anything can be moved in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And the six groups couldn't agree whether or not to move the ladder. And that ladder is still there today in 2020 at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There are sketches from before photography of that wall with the ladder sitting on there. And it's still there. In the 1990s, one of uh, some monks from one of the groups were protesting that another group was using a space in the Holy Sepulchre, and that monk was sitting on the roof of this space, uh, protesting this other group, and he decided that it was too hot in the sun, so he moved his chair over a couple of feet into the shade, and it sparked riots and fights in the street between these groups because he had moved a piece of furniture without all the groups agreeing. And these are groups that claim to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would be fighting. But my kingdom is not of this world. So why are we fighting? Why are people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus fighting and angry? Well, I have a couple things that I, I, couple theories, but the number one theory that I have is, where is our hope? As people who claim to be followers of Jesus, where is our hope? If you turn with me to Matthew 6, starting in verse uh, 19. And again, if you have your Bible, I would like you to turn there. There's something about actually turning to a place in the Bible. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus told the people that were listening to him, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I suggest that the reason why people are fighting is because their heart is in the wrong place. The reason why people are being ugly and rude is because their heart is invested in the kingdom of this world. Now, listen, I'm not blind to what's going on in politics. I'm not blind to what's going on in our country. I am actually quite attentive to the things that are going on in our country and attentive to the various philosophical conflicts that are taking place in our nation right now. I'm attentive to what's going on with COVID and how that has just turned our populace into it, it might as well be a, just a pile of dry sticks. And then with the horrible things that have happened with the racial uh, divide and the, and the disregard that some people have had for um, other human beings, it's just set it aflame. And I'm very, very well aware of the conflict between with COVID, keeping people safe and not giving up our constitutional rights. I'm very aware of what's going on. But as followers of Jesus, we have to be very, very careful how we go about standing up for what we believe. And I think, again, the reason that people have been getting so angry is that their heart is invested in the kingdoms of this world and Jesus says, don't lay up for, your tre- for yourself treasures in this world. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So what does that mean? Does that mean we ought to ha- not have money? No, by lay up, he means taking your extra and putting it aside. And really, he's talking about putting your heart and your hope in the treasures of this world. And Jesus says that we're not supposed to do that. Now, the people in the world are not going to understand what we believe in. They're just not. And they're not going to just go along with what we believe in, too. There's some very, very strong philosophical differences between what we believe from a scriptural point of view and what many people in the world believe. There are huge divides philosophically between those. And Jesus said in 1 John 3... He said, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. That is our identity. We are God's children. And then he says, John says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What John was saying is that our hope is not in this world. The the world doesn't recognize us. They don't know us because they don't know Jesus. And our hope is that Jesus is going to appear. And when he does, we will see him as he is. And guess what? What we will be will also appear. So our hope is not in tomorrow. It's not in um, the economy of the United States next year. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is that he is going to appear and come and take us home. And because of that, we purify ourselves as he is pure. And one of the ways that we purify ourselves is not letting our hearts get entangled in the kingdoms of the world. Now, listen, we have to function in this kingdom. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, how we're supposed to function in this kingdom. So I'm not saying that we pull ourselves out of the world. Even the Bible says we don't pull ourselves out of the world. I'm not talking about that we don't make wise choices with money. I'm not talking about that we, you know, we don't become monks and I'll go disappear to a cave somewhere. What I'm saying is while we're functioning in the kingdom of the world, where is our heart? Where is our heart invested? Is it invested in the kingdoms of this world? Or if the United States falls or collapses or economy falls are we going to be okay? Because our hope is invested in something that goes beyond this kingdom. You know, there's a, there's a picture in the Old Testament um, where the, the Jewish nation were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they were taken into captivity in Babylon. They were removed from Jerusalem. They were removed from the Holy Land. And it happened because of their sin God allowed them to be taken into captivity in Babylon. And God raised up for himself a prophet named Jeremiah at that time. And Jeremiah prophesied over the, um, the people that were going to Babylon. And right in here, there is a passage um, in Jeremiah 29. And within this passage is Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is a great Christian greeting card verse. This is in probably more Christian greeting cards than any other verse, including John 3.16. This greeting card is uh, verse is constantly used um, to build people up. And so it says, God tells his people, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That is a great, great promise from God. But you know what? We really need to look at that in context. Anytime you see a verse by itself, I urge you to take your Bible out, look it up, and read the context of that verse. Let me start in Jeremiah 29 verse 4. So these Jews had been taken to Babylon out of the Holy Land, and Jeremiah says to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, he says, Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. And you know, this is a picture of those of us who've given our lives to Jesus, but we have our hope in a coming kingdom. It's a kingdom that's already established, that's already got its foothold in this world through us, but our hope is when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, our hearts are not to be invested in this one. And you know, just as God told the the exiles in Babylon, he said, do business Build homes, have families, pray for the welfare of these foreign cities that you're going to be in because when it goes well with these cities, it will go well for you as well. And I think there's an application for us as believers that while we are in this world, while we are pursuing Christ and growing, our spirits are developing in Christ, that we are to engage in the world around us and pray for the good of the world that we're in. And we'll get more to that responsibility in a little bit, but listen, he says in verse 10, it says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. In other words, bring you back to Jerusalem, to the promised land. And you know, Jesus has made promises to us as well that, you know what, we are going to sojourn in this world for a while, but someday he's going to take us and he's gonna set up his kingdom where there will be no conflict against his authority. And so Jesus says, yes, go and sojourn in this land and pray for the good of the land. But he says, listen, I am going to bring you back to the promised land. Just like someday he's going to come and get us and take us to be with him forever in his kingdom as we read in the, in the first passage in Matthew, okay? And then he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. What is our future and our hope that God is promising to us? that someday he's going to establish his authority and that we're going to be a part of his kingdom completely and fully. So yes, that's an amazing promise, but we have to remember that in context, the promise is that he is going to take us to something better. Our hope is not that God will fix this world Our hope is that we're going to outlast, that his kingdom is going to outlast this world. That's where our hope is. And then he says in that context of, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. He says in verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So again, their hope was not in their exile Yes, they were supposed to participate in business and participate in living in the cities where they were sent to exile. They were supposed to pray for those cities, but that wasn't where their hope was. Their hope was for when God would restore them to his kingdom. And the lesson for us in that is that, yes, we should be involved in the world around us. We should be involved In business. We should be involved in life and what's going on. But our hope, our hope is not that God is going to fix the United States of America. Our hope is not that God is going to fix the earthly kingdoms. Jesus said when he was talking to Pilate, and he said at other times as well, his kingdom was not of this world. And our hope is in the kingdom of God, which is beyond this world and which will extend beyond this world the kingdom of heaven is here jesus preached that the kingdom of heaven is at hand but it's not he's not setting up his kingdom by fixing the kingdoms of the world okay and our hope is to be in his kingdom which starts now Look at 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. John tells the believers in that letter, starting in verse 15 of second chapter of 1 John, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Does he say get out of the world? No. Does he say hate the world? No. He says, do not love, do not agape. The original Greek word there is agape. Do not agape. Don't give your heart to the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Dare I suggest that that's why some of these people are so angry? Because if they love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So that's not a condemnation. That's a a plea for us to turn aside from loving the things of the world and giving our hearts back to the Father. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, But whoever does in the present, whoever does the will of God abides forever. I believe that one of the reasons why people are so angry is that their hearts are invested in the things of the world. And when we do that, we are no longer walking in the love of the Father. And it's evident because what comes out of people is anger and malice and rudeness and hatred. Listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Jesus taught. And that's what he taught his disciples to teach. He said, go throughout the land and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means it's within reach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus established his kingdom all a kingdom is, is the dominion of the king. Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead, it says that God placed him at his right hand and made all the nations of the world belong to him. So the kingdom of heaven is established and is at, it is at hand. It has not exerted its authority over all the kingdoms of the world yet. But those of us who follow Christ, we are resurrected and we become residents of the kingdom. In Colossians, it says, uh, in three, Colossians 3, 3, actually, let's start at verse 1, Colossians 3, chapter 1. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is he saying? He's saying, seek the things of the kingdom, not the things of the world. Verse two, set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That means right now, Your life in Christ is hidden with Christ in God right now. And where is Christ? It says in verse one, he's seated at the right hand of God. So there is some aspect of our resurrected life with Jesus in which we are actually present in Christ at God's right hand right now. We are citizens of his kingdom. We are God's children and we are present with Christ in God's presence right now, even while in our bodies, we're walking around on this earth. And that's why John says, because you're already there, because in some, in some aspect, you're already in God's presence and you're already in his kingdom. Don't look at the things of the world, but set your mind on the things above in the kingdom. Because verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says, Because we are part of God's kingdom now, verse 5, he, Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. He doesn't say, Nurture it. He doesn't say, Give it a place. He says, Put it to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Now listen to this list. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You know what I see um, uh, widespread among people who say that they're followers of Jesus? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, even obscene talk. Those are not things of God's kingdom. Those are things of the earth. And what that does is it tells me that they're putting their mind on the things of the earth, not on the things of the kingdom. Please don't hear that I'm mad. I'm not trying to condemn them. What I'm saying is we have got to put our mind on things above, not on things of earth. We have to have our hope in the kingdom of God, which is already established and which is going to outlast the kingdoms of the world. So down in verse 12, well, in verse 10, it says, um, after it says we put off all our, our old self with its practices, it says that we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You will hear me over and over again. And those of you in the room here know I am constantly talking about the transformation process, the spiritual formation process, the process of sanctification where we're being transformed and conformed in the image of his son. And here it talks about it again. It says we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And you talk about all these racial issues. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jews, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So how should we behave? Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against each other another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony If we have our mind set on things above, if we're walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, we will not be walking in anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. We will be walking in love. And how do you break down love? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things, when we have our mind on things above and our hearts are invested in Christ's kingdom, we will walk in the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. And listen, I want to end with this concept of fruit. Jesus says that if we abide Him in an, if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we will bear much fruit, right? It says in Matthew 13, 22, this is where Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. So the sower goes out to sow seed and he sows good seed. Some of it lands among rocks. Some of it lands among thorns where it springs up really quickly but then is choked out by the thorns. Some of it lands on the hard road, so it doesn't show any growth at all, and some lands on good soil. And so the disciples came and asked him to explain that parable to him to them. And he said to them that that parable, in essence, he said this parable is a key to understanding parable. And he said in verse 22, he says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, okay? So this is someone who hears the word and probably calls themselves a Christian, identifies with followers of Jesus, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Y'all listen, It's not just that we need to have our mind on things above so that we're nice. That's not what I'm saying. According to this parable, if our heart is invested in the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes God's word out of us and we are unfruitful. And Jesus said that the branches that don't bear fruit are cut off and thrown away listen it's not I'm just it's it's not just that we shouldn't act nice to each other. This is integral to us becoming like Jesus in our personal walk. This is integral to the church bearing fruit in the world. We cannot allow our hearts and minds to be stolen by the cares of the world and the things of the world. We have got to set our mind on things above, not on things of earth. We've got to have our hope in Christ's kingdom that is going to outlast this kingdom. Because you know what? If Jesus tarries, the truth is that America is not going to last forever. Like every other nation on the face of the earth, except one, It will pass on. It will collapse. It will be replaced by something else. And if all of our hope and all of our affection and all of our energy is invested in an earthly kingdom, we won't bear fruit. And we'll be crushed and horrified when this nation falls. And I don't know if it will fall. Jesus may come back before then. I hope so. It may be our children or our grandchildren that face it. I don't know. But you know what? We've got to invest our hope in the kingdom that doesn't fail. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but God's word will never pass away. I hear that amen, brother. I hear that amen. Amen. So listen, I want to encourage you for our self-check. If you want to know, yes, amen. That's right. If you want to know, if you want to do a self-check on your heart and see if you have invested your heart in the things of the world too much, it's pretty simple. Look at the things that are coming out of your mouth. Looking, look at the things that are being that are that you're putting on Facebook. Or the, the sites on social media that you're drawn to. Or the voices that you're drawn to. And if, if you're drawn to things or if you're expressing anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, put that off. Where's that, list again? that list is in Colossians 3. And just read that whole passage from verses 5. Down through verse 10, there's a list of all those things. And if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with wrath, if you're struggling with malice, in other words, you want to see somebody else fall. You want to see somebody else fail and get hurt. If you're struggling with slander or obscene talk, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your heart is, show you where your mind is invested Because we should be expressing as God's chosen ones, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion. Compassion. Those people who believe differently than you, philosophically or politically, do you feel compassion for them? That they're lost and that they're blinded to reality and truth? Do you feel compassion for that? kindness. Are you kind to people who don't deserve it? Humility, meekness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving each other. That is the fruit of someone who has their mind set on things above. So I want to encourage you, and I'm going to do the same thing this week. Let's do a self-check. What kind of words are coming out of my mouth? Angry words? or kind words? What kind of feelings am I, am I dealing with? Are they feelings of malice, hoping that someone falls and is, is hurt or is um, somehow um, punished? Or am I dealing with feelings of compassion for people who are lost and, and confused? So Holy Spirit, we come before you today, And we ask that you would, uh, just as David did, that you would show if there's any uncleanness in us. Would you show us if there's any impurity in our hearts? Would you show us whether our hearts and minds are invested in earthly kingdoms or if they're invested in your kingdom? Because God, only one of those kingdoms is going to last And we don't want to be building up for ourselves, laying up for ourselves treasures here on earth where the thief can break in and steal and the moth comes and the rust comes and destroys. We want to be laying up for ourselves treasures in your kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven. So God, would you reveal to us where our hearts are and help us to be intentional to put our minds on things above? In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So one last word. How do I put my mind on things above? Start with read Read the word, word. read Read the the word, word. read Read the the word. word. Just reading God's word will help produce fruit in your life. I promise you. It's not because it's a magic book. It's because it's a powerful book. Because it's a reflection of the character of God. So start there. So thanks for joining us this week. We so appreciate you guys... Uh, tuning in and listening and sharing these times with us. Uh, If you found this challenging or encouraging, would you feel free to share this on your wall? Uh, If you'd like to know more about what we're doing, send us a message, uh, and we'll tell you what we're doing here in Albuquerque. Um, But you know what, guys? Most of all, we love you, and we believe in you, and we believe in Jesus in you, and we'll see you next week.